Have you wondered about living elsewhere after you retire? Well, we have, almost daily. As you know, it's not an overnight decision. Hi, this is Gil and Jean of Retire There, a podcast about places to consider living in during your retirement. We started this program for selfish reasons. We planned on visiting cities earlier this year, spending some quality time, not as tourists, but pretending to actually live there to get a real sense and flavor of the place. We made one trip earlier this year, which was great. And we were planning for the next trip. Then COVID hit. Yes, unfortunately. A little background about us. I'm Asian, born in Brazil, South America, and grew up in Flatbush, Brooklyn. I'm an engineer turned attorney and practicing higher ed law at a college who loves working with students, faculty, and staff. I'm not Asian. Born and raised in Long Island, New York, place I've always wanted to leave. I am a law librarian working in a court who loves his job. We've lived in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn for many years and have been thinking about our future home. So we will be speaking to folks from around the country who have moved to venues of their dreams and more, and we will share their intimate secrets. Whoa. Just kidding. But we will offer information that you may not find anywhere else. So stay tuned. In today's episode, we bring you, drumroll, the Big Apple. Barbara and Lou Grummet met in law school. They've been married 52 years, have two daughters and three granddaughters. Female power. For 25 years, they raised their children and worked in Albany, New York. In the late 90s, they moved to Riverdale, a neighborhood in the Bronx of New York City. In 2011, the Grummets sold their Bronx home and made a big decision to retire to Manhattan. As we are told, this is where they intend to stay, COVID or not. Lou Gromit grew up in West Virginia, attended George Washington University, NYU Law School, and earned a master's in public administration from the University of Pittsburgh. He held important positions with the state of New York in Albany, the state capital. He was assistant commissioner for children with handicapping conditions of the Educational Department, and CEO of the School Boards Association. Then, in New York City, he was CEO of the State Society of Certified Public Accountants. Wow. And after Lou retired, he authored a book titled, The Curious Case of Curious Joel, The Rise of a Village Theocracy and the Battle to Defend the Separation of Church and State, which earned four and a half stars from Amazon. Wow. He has done other writing and likes to mentor young people about their futures. Now, Barbara Grummet grew up in Pittsburgh and Chicago, attended Denison University in Ohio and NYU Law School. Her career included being a research associate in law and psychiatry at the University of Pittsburgh. She took a break from work to be at home with her children until they were school age. Barbara then worked for 20 years at Russell Sage College as a faculty member and dean of the graduate school. While in Albany, she served on several nonprofit healthcare boards. Thereafter, she became associate provost at the Westchester campus of Long Island University. Then she became executive director of the National League of Nursing Accrediting Commission and then dean at the School of Professional Studies at New York City College of Technology a college within the City University of New York. Since retirement, she has been a volunteer for SCORE, 
a national nonprofit that mentors people starting or running small businesses. And Barbara is currently serving as chairperson of the New York City chapter. She's also on the CUNY Institutional Review Board, an entity that reviews grants within higher education. What can I say? At this point, I am out of breath. I am so intimidated by these two that I don't think I can go on. Yeah, okay. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we will. Be, we will. Mr. and Mrs. Grummet, would you kindly walk us through your journey in how you came to choose Manhattan, the Big Apple, to retire in? Sure. Do you want to start? Do you want me to start? Sure. Uh, sometime in, uh, in 2010, uh, for a number of reasons, I, I became paralyzed. Uh, from the waist down and wasn't able to walk and wasn't able to stand. And at the time, we lived in a, a three-bedroom home, a single-family home in uh, the Riverdale section of the Bronx. We love New York. Uh, we have always intended to spend the rest of our lives in New York. New York is a perfect retirement community. But I couldn't get around. And uh, we had two standard poodles. And that was another issue in terms of where we lived. And so we began to look around where I could uh, have a full life. Barbara could continue working. By all accounts, that was Midtown. And Midtown sounds to the public perception as the most expensive place in America, but it's actually not. Uh, if you think about it, when you live in Midtown in a uh, co-op, as we do in an apartment, a two-bedroom apartment, we have no car. We sold our car. We have no auto insurance. We have no snow removal. We have no lawn pickup. We have no grass mowing. We have no uh, fixing the roof or fixing the various uh, things, you know, like the furnace that happen in a single family home. We actually find that we're spending probably a third less to live on uh, two blocks from Central Park than we did living in the North Bronx. Wow. That's and, shocking. Uh, it is shocking, but it's true. And we know other people who have moved into the city, and it's true for all of us, but only if you sell your car and you do all those things. Uh, we don't have a second home. Because of uh, the uh, various aspects of, of the reasons that I, you know, I was paralyzed, I'm unable to fly. We wanted to have a full life, and Manhattan gives us a full life. We, I, I've learned how to walk again, and we walk to Broadway. We, we see a lot of Broadway, well, when there was a Broadway. We would see, you know, approximately 20 shows a year. Uh, we walk to Lincoln Center. We walk to the various museums. Uh, we walk in Central Park several times a day. And when we had our dogs, uh, it was a great place we discovered. After being afraid to bring the dogs in, we discovered the dogs loved it. As, as, as one of our granddaughters once said to us after we moved here, Grandpa, you live near everything. <laughs> and, you know, I grew up in West Virginia. If, if the worst thing that happens to me is I spend the rest of my life in Midtown Manhattan. <laughs> it is the most wonderful experience in the world. It is. There's everything to do here. And it's not as costly as you would think. Yeah, we were uh, when we, we did move. Uh, one of the decisions we made from a financial perspective is to hopefully be able to find a an apartment in Manhattan that would allow us to have no mortgage, have the cost of selling our home in the Bronx cover the cost of going into the apartment. And we were able to do that. So we now have 
a monthly maintenance fee as part of as part of belonging to a co-op. But as Lou said, the expenses for that are considerably below what we were paying in our home in Riverdale. Uh, our, I forgot to mention our heating costs are less than one quarter of what they were in a single family home. Wow. Wow. So, you know, there's just a there's just a lot of expenses. And one of the things I would encourage your listeners to think about is to if you're still living in a home, start listing all the things you pay for on a, you know, on a week to week or month to month basis that you may not think about because they're just so automatic a part of your life in a, in a single family home. You know, it, it, you find out you're, you're spending a lot more to live in that single family home than you may have thought, even if you don't, even if you've already paid off your mortgage, you know, by the, by my, our experience has been that by the time you pay off the mortgage, that's when the maintenance come, kicks in. And so you're still paying to maintain your home uh, expenses that you may not have uh, encountered earlier on. So, you know, from a financial per- a perspective, I think, I think it works out really well. We had always thought when we first moved back to Manhattan and both of us were still working that after we both retired, after we no longer had dogs, that we would we would at that point decide that it was no longer fun to go through the hassles of maintaining a home and keeping up a home, and that we would relocate to an apartment. Uh, so Lou's disability sort of accelerated that process for us. But it's one that we had always sort of had in the back of our heads as a long-term goal anyway. So, so something else having nothing to do with money uh, that's wonderful about being in Midtown Manhattan particularly since I can't travel, is that everybody can see us. Everybody comes to Manhattan. And those people who live far away like to come to Manhattan. And uh, and we have a sofa bed. And another huge advantage is that our, our children and our grandchildren uh, live, um, some, you know, one of them lives in Queens and the other lives in Brooklyn, and we're all on the F line. So, <laughs> so we get to see everybody. And, and I think one of the problems I think some people have in retirement is they go to a retirement community and lovely as it is, they get totally isolated. We're not at all isolated. We, we have extremely vibrant lives. and uh, We don't have to pre-plan anything. We just have to walk outside. Well, first I want to say congratulations, Lou, that I cannot believe you were um, recovered from your paralysis. Um, that's, that's outstanding. And, and, and yeah, and wonderful. Um, and, and you're right. I think that people love to come to New York. You're not isolated in, in, in any sense. One of my fears is I've grown used to my entire life growing up in Brooklyn, basically all the foods, all the diversity. And, um, you know, when I think about leaving New York city, where will I find all that? And is food important? Well, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I, it is. <laughs> you know, especially if you have a varied palate or you're used to. Right. Well, one of the, th- yeah, one of the things that, that we discovered uh, living in an apartment is that a major form of entertainment is eating out with friends. And so we've made a lot of friends in the building. And we also continue to have friends, you know, who we had before we moved. And so people eat out a lot. And I think one of the reasons, at least in this building, is most of our friends come from households where they don't like to cook. So it's a lot easier to go out because then you don't have to 
You don't have to reciprocate by hosting somebody in your home when you don't like to cook, et cetera, et cetera. And one of the things we've discovered from the lockdown, like lots of people, is people discover that their expenditures have gone way down. And uh, we were shocked when we started looking at our budgets at how much money we had spent eating out because, you know, we would eat out two or three times a week. Uh, you know, Lou and I would have lunch separately with friends. Um, so that, it, that, that and Broadway were our two biggest expenditures. Yeah, exactly. So, so it's just really, um, but I agree with you that eating out and having an opportunity to experience all the wonderful opportunities in New York City is something that we really enjoy and embrace and miss because of the COVID lockdown, of course. But also, you know, having lived in a smaller community upstate and and talking to friends who have um, retired to other places, the the variety is not as wide and and rich and deep as you would find in New York. But I think that's for many people, no matter where you retire to. That, that, that's true in two ways. Number one, even with the COVID lockdown, and even with you know the diminution of Broadway and, and, and the cultural affairs. We still have access to a whole lot of things just by walking outside our door. Uh, the fact that a third of the restaurants may be closed, the other two thirds are still open. And they may be open out on the street, but that's something wonderful about New York. So you sit in the middle of 56th Street and have a great meal instead of sitting inside. <laughs> and another aspect is, uh, Barb was mentioning friends in the building. We, we've lived in a number of single family homes in, in upstate New York and in, in, uh, in North Bronx. And never knew most of our neighbors because we were always so busy with our jobs and our kids. Here, we're in a building with all age groups, but the people uh, are fascinating. And we have a number of people who live in our building merely because they're retired and it's on the same block as Carnegie Hall. And they want to walk yeah. to Carnegie Hall. So we have some of the most interesting people I've ever met in my life living in my building. That's great. It's, it's funny. You talk about um, the cost of living. And it seems that if you can afford the real estate there, people don't realize if you look around, you can find restaurants that aren't so expensive. And I find I love, um, I was a punk rock kid and I still, still once in a while go to shows in New York. They're really inexpensive. It's not like, you know, I don't go to Madison Square Garden to see you know, Elton John or whatever. I go to small clubs. They're inexpensive, so much fun. There's so many things to do in New York that are free or inexpensive. And a lot, I think a lot of people don't realize that. You're, you're absolutely right. And uh, even just spending an afternoon walking around and exploring neighborhoods is something that, that's a lot of fun for people. Uh, I think for people who have lived in the suburbs and have relied on cars for most of their commuting, and we certainly did that when we lived in Albany as well, you know, the transition to walking everywhere or perhaps taking public transportation uh, it is something that that people don't always appreciate, uh, but but you get really spoiled. You know, we can walk where we are. We're we're within a mile of almost anything we want to do, and we're able to walk a mile. <laughs> uh, and if we want to go for longer walks, we can we can do that. We can go to shopping. We can go to the theater. We can go up to the the uh, to cultural institutions. Uh, walk through Central Park, which is as Lou mentioned, we're just a block or two away. So. For us, this is the ideal spot for us to live. And, and when, one of the things about New York that's fascinating, let's just take Central Park. We've lived here since 2011, and we go to Central Park once or twice a day, and we always find something new, and it's always free. 
I mean, just knowing that all those bridges in the Central Park are different, there's no identical design in any two bridges. Uh, I happen to be an amateur photographer. I'm not a very good one, but an amateur photographer. There is an infinite possibility within Central Park, just the architecture in New York, and I love architecture, just walking around, looking at buildings and learning their history uh, can be an entire avocation, and it's become one. Have you seen the owl in Central Park? Uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> we have not. The owl? I'm not sure which one. We we saw the, the story about the owl in the Rockefeller Center Christmas tree, which right. is also, by the way, five or six blocks away from our house. And we wow. watched them put it up. We yeah. walked down and wow. watched them put I it up. watched them put it up, so that was fun. We didn't. We weren't there when they rescued the owl, but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, but, we did, but we have seen in Central Park, there is, a, there is a lot of wildlife, which is really interesting, just like Prospect Park in, in Brooklyn. Um, so in the summer, for example, there's a great heron that has lived in a pond that's two blocks away from us, has been there the last couple of summers. And we've seen that, pond, that, that heron stalk fish and then swoop down and, and ingest them. It's, it ain't a pretty sight, but it's kind of fascinating to see how he you know, grabs the fish and it slides right down his gullet. <laughs> And, and there's other wildlife as well. So uh, if, if people are, are interested in nature, just within Midtown Manhattan, there are opportunities to explore. And the, uh, there's a park that on both, the, on both the east side and the west side of Manhattan, there are walkways that go almost the entire length of Manhattan Island now. So you could go for a walk and right on the river. Uh, if we, you're into bike riding, you can ride your bikes. The, the growing, the one thing that one of my minor annoyances now is all these bike lanes that are springing up. But they're wonderful to, for those who like to enjoy bike riding. You know, it's interesting. We live on 57th Street, which means we live on the street that have four tallest buildings in North and South America. And we get to watch them construct them. And if you want to be turned to being an 11-year-old boy, you just stand there and watch them build a 110-story building, especially when the crane falls down. But 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 it, it's just fascinating. And and Barb was talking about wildlife watching. I'm a people watcher. Uh, I enormously love to walk up and talk to the pedicab drivers outside of Central Park. Uh, you get to discover what it's like to live in Afghanistan, what it's like to live in the various different stands, what it was like to live in the Russian Empire. These very aggressive kids who, uh, who have come over here at the age of 17 or 18 so they could learn English. They may or may not have their green cards. I don't ask. It's none of my business. But they talk to me and give me a connection and a sense of what it's like in the rest of the world. You can't get anywhere else in America just by walking a block from my house. That's amazing. All right, can you guys talk a little about healthcare and and if that played a factor in your moving to Manhattan? Well, the, the nice thing about healthcare is that we're both within walking distance of our primary care providers. And those and, are different hospitals. And in <laughs> two, different, two different hospital systems, because uh, Manhattan has world-class hospitals and healthcare systems. And of course, uh, one of the things that's happening in healthcare that, you know, this, this was my area of academic interest when I was in, in higher education. So I still sort of watch it from afar. And the hospitals are in a big, you know, continuing their gobbling up other providers and private physicians' offices. But the, the reality is it makes it very, very easy to access health care. Uh, All of the big healthcare systems are really encouraging primary care 
practices. So you can you can find a, a primary care provider that will allow you access to a network of specialists and subspecialists and you know diagnostic facilities and hospitals and ambulatory care facilities. Manhattan is is a great place to retire. If you have Medicare, almost all the providers take Medicare. And if the one that you're looking at doesn't, somebody else will because of the competition. Um, and so it's it's very easy to find a healthcare provider and a whole network of specialists. Just, just to give you some feel for people who don't know Manhattan, uh, Barb and I live within three quarters of a mile in one direction from Mount Sinai Roosevelt, and about three quarters of a mile in the other direction from Columbia Presbyterian. Uh, wow. Nice. Uh, and in between, lest you think that's too far, there's a city MD. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God for the city MDs. Yeah, I I agree. The uh, the healthcare is world class, and for many listeners, um, you know what Barbara mentioned was very true in the sense that these hospitals and larger healthcare institutions are gobbling each other up, um, and at the end, so long as we are able to. Um, you know, weed through all that and find the people that we need. And there's no shortage, right? There's no shortage. And and the fact that you can walk to both um, places is amazing. It's unheard it's, of. It's very, it's very convenient and, and you get spoiled, um, but, but not having to get in a car and drive to a healthcare provider when you're feeling terrible is a real advantage. Yeah. Let, let, let me mention something else for, for prospective retirees. Uh, we're within walking distance of the Metropolitan Museum. We're within walking distance. We were two blocks from MoMA. We're in the Museum of Modern Art. We're, we're several blocks and, uh, you know, from the New York Historic Society. The reason I'm telling you that is not only because you go there a lot, but what we don't, don't take advantage of, but a number of our friends do, is every one of those institutions I mentioned runs either free or very cheap. Uh, world-class presentations almost every day. And we have friends who live in this building who seem to spend their entire lives in these uh, in these adult learning presentations. <laughs> and you can do that, and it doesn't cost very much money. Yeah, that's the thing about New York, living in New York City. You can learn anything, yeah. whether it's a language or a, a musical instrument or, or to learn an art. Yeah. It's just amazing. Yeah, that's ab that's absolutely correct. And of course, as a former CUNY employee, I, sh I would be remiss if I didn't mention that we're also about a 15 or 20 minute block from one of the CUNY campuses. So um, probably a 25 or 30 minute block from another uh, several of the CUNY campuses, which also offer uh, a lot of continuing education programs and lecture series for those who are interested. If there is space, which is getting harder and harder within CUNY, um, seniors are allowed to audit courses. Mm -hmm. uh, but the point is that there are a lot, there are lots of opportunities for learning, you know, within the CUNY system, but also within the other major universities, uh, Columbia, NYU, Fordham, Cornell are also all have major presences within Man in Manhattan, offer different kinds of uh, programs, performances. Uh, since you mentioned, Gene, the opportunity to go to uh, artistic performances. Um, ex exhibitions of art that is created by students. So there's lots of there are lots of ways for you to get out and about and uh, and not have to spend a lot of money. And then if you want to spend money on um, 
you know, Lou mentioned our major indulgence when it's open is, is Broadway and Lincoln Center performances. Those two have opportunities for reduced cost tickets if people are interested in finding cheaper ways to enjoy that kind of entertainment as well. And, and for any prospective retirees who love animals, uh, as I mentioned, we had two standard poodles, um, we had a labradoodle, we had two sets of dogs, and so the, uh, it's a wonderful place for pets. It, it, one of the thing, reasons we moved to Riverdale to start with was we were afraid we couldn't have pets in Manhattan. We were wrong. Uh, our pets love Central Park. Our pets love people. People loved our pets. And our, our building was what they call a pet-friendly building. So they, I mean, we wouldn't have been able to move in if they weren't. But, but the point is that there are more and more opportunities for people who have pets to relocate. Um, if, you, if you either buy a condo or uh, buy into a co-op, that, that is what they call pet-friendly. It's, you know, it's very easy. And, of course, there's access to good veterinary care here as well. There are many, uh, there are pet animal care emergency rooms. Uh, Cornell's veterinary school is here so that there are a lot of sub-sub specialists if you have a, an animal who has a particularly complex medical condition. And there are also a lot of uh, practices, you know, private practices of veterinarians uh, who have offices just like they do in the suburbs or in smaller towns. And, and a wonderful way to meet people uh, is to have a dog at the end of a leash. We, we made many friends, uh, people we met in Central Park because you'd see them every day and you get first of all to recognize the dog and then after a while you recognize the owner. And after a while you discover that he has a world-class art collection and he invites you up to see it. <laughs> That's a true story. That really happened. <laughs> well, lest we forget, also when you walk around the city, what do you see a lot of pet spas? I mean, if you want to really treat your pet to these, oh yes, <laughs> I mean, come on, um, we I, never I, did any. Of our, our, our our pets got treated by being movie stars. I, our Labradoodle was gorgeous and very friendly, and she wound up being asked to to have her picture taken in weddings in Central Park. Oh my goodness. <laughs> A foreign official once a uh, the UN meeting because this is also the, whenever there's no COVID, uh, this is the area. It's the center of the UN annual meeting where all the world leaders come and stay around us. And the the cleaners in this area, they, it's their version of Black Friday. They make as much that week they tell us as they make the entire year. But in any event, uh, we actually had a, a foreign minister of one of the stands ask if he could take pictures of our dog if in petting oh, our dog. Wow which apparently brought up on television in the stands. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Lou, you should put together a book of all of all these, you know, stories and, and you know, you're an amateur photographer and, you, you know, all the dogs. And I think that would make a bestseller, man. <laughs> and right, dogs, yes. Right next to you going to the United States Supreme Court. I'd say that's a pretty nifty thing to do. This is true. <laughs> it, it, it was a great experience. I, I think um, that if you, if you want a story about America, it's how the major opponents in the United States Supreme Court case were a kid from West Virginia and some immigrants from Poland. It was just great. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Buy that book. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. When, when you, you say you walk a lot, when the, when you're going to some place that's not walking distance, what do you do? Do you get in the subway? Do you take a well, cab? Well, there's a, there's a subway stop outside of our front door. Oh, my God. Uh, I don't use that one because uh, the stairs are a bit much for me, but I, I walk seven blocks, six blocks away to Rockefeller Center where there's an elevator. 
there are buses. We, we live on 6th Avenue. There are buses going up 6th Avenue and down 5th and 7th Avenue. They can take us anywhere in Manhattan. I never took buses before we moved here, and I we have one of the most intricate bus systems I've ever seen. Yeah. They're just amazing. Well, we almost them. don't use cabs or, or we never use Uber or any of that kind of stuff because we don't need it. Now, in, in the event of people traveling, uh, if you ever have to either pick them up and or, or if you um, do travel, how long is the distance to the airports for our listeners? We're, okay, where we are, we're located. Well, of course, it depends on whether there's traffic. <laughs> um, if there's not traffic, you can get to LaGuardia in about half an hour and JFK within probably about 45 minutes, and you can get to Newark Airport within an hour. Now, that's, of course, without traffic. If, if you're going during rush hour, you double those times. But our friends... We, we don't pick people up at the airport. Uh, we offer to pay their taxi taxi fares if they pick up a cab and, and come in, but they don't they don't do that. Um, we are within walking di- at least for us walking distance of the Amtrak station and um, and, and Grand Central and and Grand Central. But in terms of um, long distance train rides, we have several friends who come visit us by train. One of my friends, what my only friend left from high school, walks up from uh, Penn Station when she comes to visit. Um, other friends just grab a cab and it's about a 10-minute taxi ride from the Amtrak station to our apartment. Okay, wonderful. Um, I wanted to ask also, in terms of moving um, or leaving your house in the Bronx, was that a difficult move psychologically and physically? I don't know how big your apartment is. It's a two-bedroom apartment. It, it it was not a psychologically difficult move because I always wanted to come to town. So, uh, so it was a very eager move. In terms of because I was paralyzed, I couldn't be doing very much moving at that time. So there's this wonderful thing called one eight hundred got junk. <laughs> um, yeah. And just like the ads tell you, we called, they came, they cleaned the place out. And so we didn't have to go through all this emotional, will I part with it or not? They, you know, they walked around with us. And unless we said, don't take it, they took everything. So I, I think the, the um, because we had, we had relocated from Albany to uh, the Bronx about 10, 15, about 12 years before we moved to mid to Midtown, um, we had done some downsizing then. And of course, our children are grown. Uh, we had at their behest moved some of their, what, what, what we would call quote unquote treasured items uh, from Albany to New York in the Bronx. And we had some, they both had, our, both of our daughters had childhood memories. They had some toys from when they were children. They had uh, papers and projects they had done from school. One of our daughters is an, is a very talented artist. Um, you can probably see, uh, since we're recording this, but you can see behind me one of her posters. So we had a lot of their stuff as well as a lot of our stuff. So once we knew we were moving, we basically gave them several chances to come and sort through their stuff and decide what they wanted to keep and what they didn't. And one of the things that was kind of fun is that they had saved a lot of their childhood toys, thinking that, well, when they had children, they would love to pass these on to their kids. 
And one thing they discovered is that stuffed animals do not necessarily pass on very well because, of course, they were they were musty and dusty and and, you know, well worn from their own use. So all the things that we have been carefully saving from them in those arenas, uh, we got rid of. Um, we have three granddaughters and our kids discovered that none of our granddaughters enjoys dolls. So all the dolls that we had, you know, but we did have a couple of items that they kept. Um, our daughters both had doll houses as children and those they kept wow. and moved to their apartments. Um, we had a couple of wooden toys. Uh, uh, one daughter had a wooden barn that we had bought at a toy store in Vermont when she was about two and a half that's still in our in our apartment. Um, so, you know, if we have young kids come to visit, which we do from time to time, we can drag these things out and let them play with those. And the paper stuff, we basically said, look, we're leaving on such and such a date. If this stuff ain't gone by then, it's going out. And so some of the stuff they just basically let us decide to get rid of. I think I think that's the biggest issue is if you are holding treasures for your children that somehow maybe you're having trouble parting with, but the kids are definitely having parting, parting with. I think that was probably the most difficult. Um, we moved a lot of our furniture, um, but not all of it, obviously. So we had to, we had to get rid of, I mean, obviously living in a house, you have a lot more, you have a lot more uh, furnishings than you need for a two bedroom apartment, but we moved our living room. We moved a baby grand piano, uh, that, um, was our kids piano. And I'm, learning how to play now but we decided to keep that figuring that maybe someday they or one of the grandkids would want it and otherwise you know couch dining room table we moved all that stuff the only traumatic thing for me was i uh, for a lot of reasons i i love history and i also needed cane support for you know mobility reasons and so i combined the two and i had a cane collection of about 360 canes uh, mostly either in beaks or carved you said 360 canes. that's what i said yes talk about taking advantage wait what would you what did you do with those uh well i gave half of them to the new york historic society oh and uh, so when i miss them i can go up and look at them <laughs> because Barbara told me we weren't moving the cane, she was vicious and cruel about it, and, we, <laughs> and the uh, the remain we gave some canes away, uh, but they weren't very good ones. But but the remaining canes that the, uh, I've kept here, so in the room we're in right now, I uh, I still have about a hundred and about a hundred and twenty. No think. way, Barbara, yeah, you it. keep over a yeah. hundred. Yes, let me flash over and see if you can see. I don't know if you can see. Can you see? That's wow. just half of them. That's oh. half of them. And then the other half is on the other side of the – the other half is on the other side. It's of not the nearly room. as impressive. When we lived in Riverdale, if you walked in, it, had, it was a center hall uh, tutor. And if you walked in, you, you looked up the stairs, there was sort of this religious experience of, the, uh, of all these canes staring down at you. Wow. Oh, wow. At last we've lost that. You'll have to send us some pictures. We'll have to put it on in our show notes. For, for our listeners, I the note that struck me was the Queen of England cane. Yes. Oh yes. <laughs> well, if you were looking over there, when you say the Queen of England, I have I'm looking right now at a Queen Elizabeth the First, three Victoria canes, one Maggie Thatcher cane, <laughs> uh, uh Queen Elizabeth the Second's uh uh, coronation cane. I I have a a wedding uh, a wedding cane from uh, wow. from Charles and Diana, which opens up for liquor inside. 
<laughs> Michael. <laughs> I, I believe when you when you go into something, you should go in all the way. I agree. I see that. Man, I agree. Good for you. The the other thing about getting rid of stuff, we had several hundred books. We were lucky that we moved when we did because now nobody takes books. I know. I mean, COVID notwithstanding, nobody wants books. But we, uh, Lou had a, uh, a colleague from work who, were, who was active in a church in Brooklyn. Uh, and he called up one of his friends. He talked to the priest and they said, sure, you know, we, we have a lot. We have sort of a lending library here, so we'll take all your books. Uh, we were very fortunate to find someone like that who was willing to take them because they are impossible to get rid of now. I have to tell you, by the way, you asked about the emotions of leaving. One of the things that made everything a joke for us is we hired a firm. I'll give them a little ad here. We we hired a firm named Schleppers, which we hired only for the name. They turned out to do a wonderful job. But every time I saw the van out front, I just laughed myself to tears. Yeah, I've seen Schleppers. That's so New York. So New York. It's very New York. So we, you know, that that was, you know, part of the process, too. But, you know, for us, the decision was not really traumatic. I mean, it was traumatic because of Lou's health situation. But we always knew we wanted to do this. And so we were able to accelerate the process. Uh, for both of our qualities of life. The other thing it did was I was still working. It cut my commuting time in half moving here from the Bronx. And uh, and so and it certainly opened up a world of opportunity for Lou. So he was able to get out and it was and liber- it was liberation and freedom. Yeah. And, you know, being alone in this being in the suburbs when you're disabled is not fun because you end up spending almost all your time in your house, in your yard. Um, and for us, it was such a hassle at that point for Lou to get out and do things, uh, even going to a restaurant. And there were several in our community was, was a big deal. So, you know, it's just so much easier when you have all of these uh, services and opportunities right at your feet. So I would hardly I would hardly recommend it. You know? uh, also, by the way, there's an advantage of living in, in Midtown when you're uh, an older guy with a disability. And I use either a, a cane or a walker. I love to go in the stores on Fifth Avenue, you know, the carriage stores, because they all treat me like I'm a god. It's just great. Everybody does everything for me. <laughs> that is nice, right? <laughs> it's, it's, I go in not even to shop. I just go in occasionally for, for the fun of it. Yeah, I remember when Gene was injured and he had a, um, uh, what did you have, that shoulder uh, sling. He had a sling and he was recovering, but. Uh, we were at an airport and the uh, flight attendant said, um, sir, would you like to, um, you know, board early? And we were like, oh, we should start wearing. Sure. <laughs> um, but I but I, I want to mention that when I um, when we do declutter here, one of the struggles that um, I have, which is just a problem for Gillen, I suppose, is that I present these items to our son, who's now 21. And he'll respond with, I don't need that. Just just get rid of it. And then my husband and I, we look at each other and say, oh, my God, he doesn't want this. And we're having trouble parting with it. But my my issue is he may not want these items at as a 21-year-old. But if and when he becomes a parent, his views might change and say, God, why did you throw that out? My child would have loved that. Yeah. So this like constant struggle. Um, my, my, my advice would be to get over it. 
<laughs> we, 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 we have a number of years on you, and we now have granddaughters who are teenagers. And after a while, you have to realize that if we waited five more generations, they might have wanted the stuff we were keeping. But uh, neither our daughters nor our granddaughters show any real interest. It seems that decluttering and shredding our um, unnecessary possessions is a big problem for everyone. So let's just uh, agree to agree on that. Uh, Barbara and Lou, we'd like to know, since moving to Manhattan, had you been hit with any surprises, anything that you did not expect? Not for me. No, I, I don't think. I think um, a couple of things. First of all, New York City is a city of neighborhoods. And I knew that before we moved. It's one of the ways that people sort of protect themselves from the greater mass, you know, the, the, the overwhelming mass of eight and a half million people that you think about. And one of the things I think that did surprise me is that our building, we, we live in a large building. It's about 22 stories. And so there are about 700 apartments in it, something like that. Yeah, something like that. 320 apartments. So maybe 700 plus people who live in it. Our building and even the surrounding areas is really a neighborhood. There are a lot more people who live really close to where we do. And I, I was not, I was kind of surprised about that and how residential our particular neighborhood, which is on the office building complex and near Rockefeller Center and near Central Park and near shopping on Fifth Avenue. I, I never thought of it particularly as a place where a lot of people also live. You, you get to know the restaurants. Uh, people are friend, tourists are friendly. Uh, occasionally I have fallen and people rush over and pick me up. That's really uh, nice. Yeah, you hear that about New York a lot. People just come together in the time of need, and that's wonderful. That's right, you know, and I and I think so. Uh, I think that that was a surprise to me was how residential it is, and and how friendly people are able to be when they don't have to keep their guard up about well, we're in this large environment with all these strangers, kind of thing. It's 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 um it's nice. You even get to know the uh, the same homeless person who lives on the same corner for all. 10 years. Yeah, I think I probably told you this, <laughs> this story, but we we have a homeless, Gillen, be, even before we retired, because I, I knew this story, that there's a guy who lives up in the next block who has lived on that block, literally lived on that block for the, he's been there for the entire time we've been here, and probably has been there since before that. And Lou found out by talking to one of the merchants in that block, that this guy used to teach at City Tech. I have never had the courage. So, so to there's talk your here. future. You can always. Oh my god! Wow. So I that is a small world. Really is, and and he clearly has some mental health issues. We, he doesn't speak to anyone. We sort of nod to him and acknowledge. You know, we sort of acknowledge each other. But he's he's a um, he's been there forever. And he hangs outside some really good restaurants. So during the first three or four years we lived here, he put on a good 40 or 50 pounds. <laughs> during COVID, he's been losing a lot of weight. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. All right, then. On that note, we want to thank you guys for taking the time out, sharing your story with us. This was super interesting. I certainly now have kind of changed my mind about leaving New York. You know, I, I want a, a I want to be able to open our windows and look at 
you know, either trees or the ocean, right. but it's just too hard to, to leave all this behind. And you, so maybe can, we'll, we'll yeah. do the, you know, two home situation, but I don't know. I don't know. Well, the, the nice thing about New York, I'll push it once again, is that there are places in the city where you can open your window and see trees or the ocean and or both, you know, That's so. true. <laughs> if you want to, if you want to forgetting COVID for a minute here to be in a new England village or a Southern village, just go to city Island and have, have seafood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. If I'm staying, it's Manhattan all the way, baby. For those who don't know, City Island is in the Bronx. Little, yeah. I- little islands in the Bronx. But it's not Manhattan. <laughs> well, thank you again for all your time. A lot of fun. Thank you. And I'm, yes. I admire both of you for having the imagination to put this uh, this whole series together. It's terrific. Oh, well, we're honored. Appreciate your time. And hey, with guests like you guys, we will we'll learn more and, and help us in our personal decisions. You guys are really informative. Thank you so Very much. Very informative. Thank you. All right. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed our show. If you know of someone who relocated for retirement and wishes to share their story, please reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. Our email address is gg at retirethere.com. Our website is retirethere.com. And you may follow us on Twitter at retirethere underscore. Don't leave out that underscore. And if you liked our show, please subscribe and rate it in Apple Podcasts. We'd really appreciate it. In the meantime, be well. Be well.